It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did... Hello and welcome to another much, much happier, much better... Uh, a much more fun Arsenal editor podcast. Uh, it, I mean, last time we spoke, we were very much down in the dumps. Uh, three games we, uh, we just lost in a row against three teams mm-hmm. we expected to uh, to beat. We couldn't score for love nor money. And here we are having beaten Chelsea and beaten United and having... <laughs> we can't miss for love nor money. So <laughs> here to talk us through all the way through for both the Chelsea uh, and United game, and of course, the women's roundup. We've got Connor. How you doing, mate? Welcome back. Yeah, thank you so much. Doing well, doing well. And in, in a much better state of mind than last week, I have to say. It's been a, a colossal week for, for the club and with the results that, that we really needed. Um, so it's, a, it's amazing how much the, a difference that, the, that a week can make. And of course, we're full of all that chocolate that we've been eating from Easter. <laughs> yeah, party doesn't stop, you know. Nothing yeah, on no. eating Easter chocolate later. Mate, honestly, my, so my mom actually got me like three. Um, which is, is not, so, so I went home to see my family and stuff. My mum got me like, she gets very excited. So I had to give one away. I was very excited. But I always forget, they come with loads of, have you noticed this year, they're getting like more and more chocolate within the, the pack, <laughs> right? And um, hold on, I'm just going to grab this. So for the listeners' benefit, uh, I'm just grabbing, uh, well, it isn't an Easter egg, but it's what my mum got my girlfriend for um, uh, for Easter. And it's a, it's a little chocolate uh, dog. Oh, Wilma the chocolate dog, and it's Wilma um, the sausage dog. Yeah, it's, it's it's the creepiest thing. I'll put it on the socials, but it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Um, and it, you sure. find it, you know, staring at you when you sleep. But um, yeah, so I'm just finding that like chocolate around Easter is just getting a bit crazier and crazier at the moment. Um, well, that's the thing, but, you know. We said last time that having the this week was a was well timed in the sense that we had all the chocolate to sort of eat our feelings if need be. Yes. Yes. Um, exactly, exactly. And then the look, supplementing the chocolate and the sugar high was, of course, the actual high that we got uh, from scoring seven goals against these two teams. I mean, um, where, where did you watch them both? What was your sort of experience of both? Yeah, so I watched them both, um, I think, at my, at my dad's place and uh, specifically with the, with the United game as well. Um, and it was, it was fantastic to, to share that with my dad, but also... Uh, with the United game, we we watched it like a half an hour later, so we had to yeah. put our phones, you know, in a drawer and lock it so that we couldn't see anything. Uh, and there's an actual term for that as well. It's called a it's calling a scoratorium. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely so if you love call that. A scoratorium that means no one can tell you the score and that everyone has to keep stum until you've watched it. Oh, that's so impressive. Because, firstly, great term, um, <laughs> and secondly, uh, I I've tried to do that many many times and it is not a, well not many times but the times i've done it i've never succeeded so uh it actually happened against chelsea so i had a work call at 9 p.m it was um someone in uh in mexico mm-hmm. so i needed to speak to them for about half an hour and obviously that was probably about 60 minutes into the match very bad time to jump on a call um Indeed. i don't know if you ever use sky go uh, yeah, yeah. but like for benefit of the listeners, basically, it's the you know, if you're listening from abroad, it's the uh, Netflix or kind of Dreaming media equivalent, equivalent. Yeah. yeah. But like, it, long story short, when you're watching live TV, it's about two and a half minutes behind, 
which is a really long time uh considering what you when you're you're kind of thinking you're watching it live whatsapp groups are happening and because i knew this i was like oh i could just turn off notifications but and i i usually am very good at that um you know because i'd like to experience it live but mm-hmm. this we were so nervous and it meant so much and we went ahead so early i was like i, I couldn't not so i was just like <laughs> i was just refreshing twitter and then, to be fair it was dumb because i hate people that do that normally but as in just like you know get the notifications don't experience it but um mm-hmm. i uh I, I was too nervous and i didn't really get to celebrate the goals as much but to a certain extent it's a bit of a bit of a transaction you need to get it done you need to yeah. know the results and the score and then and get those points and i think looking at the, those two games um i think i preferred watching the chelsea game more mm. than the united game um for for reasons that we'll get into but that's what we needed to do we needed to get those points and I read a Mikel Arteta quote as well that he said, if you want to play Champions League football, I think it was yeah. after the Chelsea game, you need to turn up to these matches and win. And and that's exactly what we did. It is. It, both games as well. And, um, you know, for, for the Manchester United game, I was I was at the pub just next to the stadium. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was... The atmosphere was electric. I think... I, I, I have a suspicion that if we don't win that Chelsea game or we go away with just a point and we lose that Chelsea game... I don't think we get much out of the United game. I think the energy that that gave the fans, not just in the stadium, but everywhere, um, you know, around for that Chelsea game. So when we did get to the stadium on Sunday, uh, Saturday, forgive me, um, was it was electric from the first second, a buzz around the stadium. Uh, obviously, I wasn't in the stadium, but um, around it on match day was electric. Um, you could feel it in the air. And, you know, from the first five minutes, obviously scoring early, it really, really helped. Yeah, and I think Martin Odegaard commented on it as well. You know, my, mm. my absolute idol at this point. Um, and he commented that, funnily enough, because of the the restrictions that have been rightly imposed on, on Chelsea in terms of who can actually go to matches, the sound, as a result, is able to, to be dissipated between the two sides. So the away crowd are able to not be matched by as many home fans because there aren't yeah. that many there. Because I think only season ticket holders can go. So then Martin Odegaard commented that it was as if it was a home game. Um, it was that loud, which has definitely got vibes of uh, Barcelona against Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt, where yeah. I think half the stadium were Eintracht Frankfurt fans, <laughs> um, which is incredible admin on behalf of uh, Frankfurt and terrible on behalf of Barcelona. And I just Literally. had a feeling that that also helped to to carry us through when you're also going down, you know, twice um, twice in quick succession is uh or getting you know getting level as well um is a mm. is a tough one and i think the car the the crowd helps to carry the team through in that and and really does fulfill their role within a as a 12th person a 12th player on on the pitch and i think that can then carry through as you said momentum buzz excitement um into into the man united game and then just have even more fans to to drown out all the all the man united fans which i have a feeling that um from my experience, a lot of the Man United fans live in London anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not from the home, if you're from the home counties, you normally do support Man United, in my experience. now, because It is interesting, though. I, did, I lived in Manchester for a while, um, about seven years, actually. And it's, um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of Northern United fans, but a lot of people from that sort of area do typically support City, I guess. But I think it's just the weight of... Supporters mm-hmm. who support Man United who aren't from Manchester is is yeah quite quite funny I must say. <laughs> um, but look, 
massive game. And I think the crowd have been unbelievable all season. I think there was a bit of a dip in between that sort of that run of three games um, mm-hmm. because I think the performances were quite flat. Um, and, and I think that does transcend into the stands, particularly when you're at home and there's a lot of capacity for it to be drowned out, but it will be a bit flat. No, of course. Away fans are always in full, full voice, really. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, provided with two electric games. I mean, I, 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 I'm certainly more optimistic now, and it was an unbelievable um, two games. But um, we, we're suddenly scoring goals from everywhere, but we're certainly conceding a lot of chances, and it was quite nerve-wracking. And I'm not quite sure if this makes me more confident or less confident going into the final few games. Yeah, I mean, that, that you know, nerve-wracking to say the least. And the thing with the crowd is that with any crowd, you have to give them something to cheer on. So when mm. we played, you know, Southampton Crystal Palace, there wasn't much to, to cheer, and there wasn't much... For the crowd to get behind and when you don't have that kind of inspiration then you're not breaking that fourth wall with the crowd mm-hmm. in that sense and bringing them onto the pitch with you and so i think giving them something to to be electric about getting ahead mm-hmm. in the first couple of minutes is, is the key that for them to then carry the team forward and exactly i think the united game especially was was ridiculous um with Nuno Tavares sometimes going going on a little adventure mm. to wherever he wanted, um, which was great when he got his goal. Uh, but he then did leave us open a little bit at the back at times, as well as unfortunately giving away mm. that penalty. Um, but I, I was glad that he played again. I think these are all going to be valuable minutes, and I think it's all about confidence with him as well. It's just I do see the very definition of a marauding left back is <laughs> is Nuno Tavares that getting in at the back post. So yeah. that's where you need that other side to to balance it a little bit. And when we saw Tommy come on at the end, that was that was a beautiful moment. Oh, it was so good to see him. And certainly, you know, and that changes a lot having him back. And it was like parties back in training as well, which is very interesting, which we'll get on to. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, yeah, maybe that is a good place to start structurally. You know, we have Nuno coming in and perhaps he was discarded i think it was against brighton where they chose not to play him and put shaka at left back um which was particularly interesting but structurally what what do you think was important for these last two games and these huge victories and what was different compared to the last two there's a notable entrant you know and people coming back in and a couple of going out yeah i think it was the key was just to know every player knew their role so mm-hmm. and particularly in the united game i saw chaka always dropping back if someone had gone forward or a centre-back had gone forward or Nuno was on his usual mission. Mm. He came back and, and sat in that defence. And the same with uh, Mo Elneny. I think he's yeah. an extremely disciplined player. And that, that's that been key, is that you give him a set of instructions and at least nine out of ten of those instructions he'll follow. And mm. play it simple, give it, and that's how it goes. And I think with that, once you have that solid base to go from, that party's always given us as well. Um, and with Chaka, Chaka knowing his, his role... And the team knowing how to sit in defence and how to expand on attack as well. I think that's been excellent in terms of giving ourselves a rhythm to to play to and to march to, as well as that structure that we need in order for everyone to know what they're doing. And if this happens, what then do we do next? I think it was in the United game, I saw a tweet where at the beginning of the game, Chaka was signalling with his hands to the bench. And the theory is that he was signaling to choose which tactical plan to follow yeah um, and so when everyone knows which tactical plan is going on from the many i'm sure that arteta comes up with i think that's also been been great for our structure as well yeah there seemed to be that flexibility and i think arteta even mentioned it i can't remember before after the game is that we have to be prepared to 
to change and have to be flexible. And um, you can tell that you can say what you want about Arteta, um, but the the level of coaching ability within him is is unbelievable. I think um, what you think about his man management is completely up to you. I I think it's looking like it's pretty good. I'm good, um, but uh, I yeah, and I think having all those players on the same wavelength, people like El Neni and Enketia, who for all intents and purposes could well be checked out by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think exactly you know, right. They, they, they could be, and so could Tavares. Tavares yeah. could be sitting there, oh, I've got no confidence, you know, I'd, uh, I've had my chance and he's not even playing me against Brighton, you know, and I think even fair play to Arteta for, for bravely sticking with him until the end yesterday because there was uh, certainly some questionable moments from Nuno as well as the almighty brilliant moments that he had as well. He's he's certainly um, he's certainly a lot of fun, isn't he? <laughs> he is a lot of fun. Uh, I remember you, I think he's also a definition of a chaos player. You just yeah. never know what's going to go on. Um, and as, as you said, it's interesting when, when you referred last week, Toby, to like uh, Sambi, who came in, he was cold and he hadn't mm. been able to have the opportunity to come on for a final 20 minutes of a game because we've been, you know, fighting right until the end. Mm. And I think within that, having a project that everyone buys into and says, this is why I'm here, even if I'm not playing, has been key. And then keeping them in waiting, but almost in waiting to take advantage of an opportunity that comes. So with any player... Mm within a club, you're always, if you're not in the starting lineup, you're always waiting for that opportunity to come. And keeping players interested in that and waiting for that, I think the project going on and the direction the club is taking and the kind of conversations you've had around your contract and your role within mm. the club also plays plays a big part. I think Nuno, when he was signed, you know, he's 21, um, he's younger than me, and he's, he's someone that's got a bright future and then maybe he's he's not going to get the minutes now because he knew that Tierney was, was going to be number one, is that he's, he's there to wait for his opportunities. And the same with Sambi, he's collecting minutes as much as possible and the competition is there. And if you're there knowing that you're going to improve and then knowing the, the direction that the club is taking, mm. you're part of this sort of younger generation coming through, um, then I think that's, that's what keeps everyone hot, but then everyone does need to play and I'm glad that Nuno's had that opportunity to get stuck in now. Yeah, and he's um, he's certainly paying back. I think some of the uh, the faith uh, that has finally sort of given him. I think, um, and uh, just on that note about the the contract stuff, you see more see what Mohamed Al Neni's come out and said today. No, not yet. Do do let me know. So he said um, he, he he said that uh, about a new contract. So his contract's up at the end of the season. He was like he wants to stay at Arsenal even if he's not guaranteed any game time. He says he, he's been here six years and it's his family and he loves it more than anything. And I was like, I, I'll have to, that's paraphrasing, but he mentioned all of the key components that I said there. And, <laughs> um, he, and for somebody who hasn't played since December, not because he's not been fit, albeit he was in the African Cup of Nations for a short while and played really well there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that speaks volumes about the, you know, the, the, the atmosphere that Teta's created because... You know, you wouldn't have had that around the, El- the the Emery era. You certainly wouldn't hear that around Manchester United today. You can't hear someone any saying that. You know, there's all sorts of things going on there, and um, there's a unity about it. It's impressive, and to come in and to, to to completely alleviate all of our midfield and structural issues that we had in the last three games against a game like a game like Chelsea, and naturally there were some some hairy moments. Uh, as a structure and I do think there was defensive issues which I'm sure we'll get onto a little bit but um, generally managed to allow us to keep ticking would 
actually was really pro progressive as well as quite aggressive in the way he was challenging, as you saw quite far up the field in the last winning goal, really, with Shaka uh, in, in the last game. I think generally over the two games, he was quite, um, uh, he was pretty progressive. And I think actually him and Nketiah worked very well in terms of getting the ball to each other. I thought Nketiah did a pr pretty good job, obviously scoring two in the first game and having one disallowed in the second. So, um, yeah, I thought that partnership was was, was really helpful. Um, and what, what did you think about Nketiah's inclusion for the last couple of games? Obviously, he had Lacazette on the, the bench for against Manchester United, but he played 90 in both. Uh, yeah, did he play uh, 90 in both? I think he did. I, th I think there's definitely a potential that he did. I have a feeling that in the Chelsea game, he got subbed right at the end for Lacazette, yeah. who came on and kept it in the corner, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, and I think United game... Uh, I think he played played the whole game, and yeah, I think he's he's deserved to be included. Um, mm. and it's been interesting to see the kinds of goals that he's gotten. Uh, so he's capitalised on mistakes, and that's what he's been really good at, and that's what we've needed in these past couple of games. And what I'd like to see more from him now is getting those open play goals. Is what I'd like to see. Yeah, uh, rather just through his own hard work that he's putting in, um, rather than having to to capitalise on mistakes, which is very necessary but you can't live off those kinds of mistakes. So I'd love mm -hmm. to see him get more of those kinds of goals. But I think he, he's growing game by game. And this is mm -hmm. his chance. If you if you want to stay and prove yourself, then this is how it goes. And it's been interesting to hear his comments on the subject as well, is that mm -hmm. he just needs to play. He said, I just need to play. I'm looking at these other England internationals, uh, of whom I was their captain at, you know, at uh, international level. And they're getting places where I'm not because they're playing. So he needs yeah. to play and he's got interest from Germany, wherever. Um, and I think if he wants to stay at Arsenal, then he needs that kind of that kind of guarantee. It'll be interesting if Arteta can can give him that. And it's interesting on the flip side that the the Pyramid Pirlo, which I love that nickname. The um, I, I call him El Neniesta. Yeah, and then yes, so that's also a good one. There's also... No, the Pyramid uh, Pirlo is actually genius. Pyramid I'm gutted to think about that. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, Arsenal Memes, I think, is an Instagram page. Shout out to them. Uh, follow okay. the Arsenal Editor um, account there. So, yeah, 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 that was fantastic. Pyramid Pirlo, I love that. Um, and I think that on the reverse side, where someone is happy just to compete and to be aggressive and to be part of the family... Um, in that sense, because, you know, and then he has had a career, you know, he's, he's getting towards the, the twilight of, of his time, but I think he's definitely still competitive. And I have to have someone who's been through it all with Arsenal, who's been away, come back and been trusted in seriously, seriously big games. Yeah, I think it'd be a, a fantastic addition just to keep. And everyone speaks so highly of the kind of character that he is. Um, and he's only growing stronger after his unfortunate African Cup of Nations defeat. Uh, and yeah. then the rest is hopefully going to be written by someone who, who works hard and who gets the best out of everyone, both emotionally and, and physically. Definitely, definitely. And look, I think it was, um, I've always felt there's a time and a place for Anani. Um, and I do think those times are, are are not that frequent. I don't think, like, I think we can all agree that I think Shaka and Party is probably our best midfield partnership mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, Anani, I, I, the last two games, I feel a bit unfair on him, given what I've thought of him before. I've always thought he was always quite a sideways player. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's needed. I, I think perhaps he's he's got a high, high energy, high drive in defensive structure. And I'm looking back at maybe there were some other opportunities to play him. Um, I do wonder, you know, 
playing Sambi Lakonga as a single midfielder was probably suicidal. But I also feel a bit a little bit sorry for Sambi because he he does have some progressive qualities. Mm. Um, so so w- w- from a purely midfield perspective, where does that leave you for let's say West Ham away, which is obviously the next game? Do you think we stick to that similar structure and keep on then in the field, work them hard, or do you think we'll try and go a little bit more offensive? Um, and, and, and try and unlock them that way because I fear that what we were probably doing was, you know, playing a little bit more on the transition. Whereas I'm not sure that's going to happen as easily against West Ham. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it'll it'll all depend on who Arteta thinks can find that ball. So mm. Nenny, when he wants to, can progress the ball. Um, but I think if you're giving Chaka that sort of higher role that Arteta has done recently, that at times Chaka was playing higher than than Lacazette. Mm. Just give Elneny who sits there and will uh, just give it, play it out, and then that's how it goes. I think that'll be that'll be enough if Chaka's going to go on that little mission. I would mm. love to see Sambi. I'm a big fan of Sambi, and but I'm also a big believer in that his time will come. Uh, yeah. I think he his his first year he's played as I've said before more than he would have expected. I think, and just being part of this group and being part of this kind of experience is is fantastic for him. Definitely. And I think it would be better to start with Elneny and get that structure, and then if it's not working, you can throw Sambi on. I think if you start with Sambi, you're looking and you're looking for the winner that Sambi hasn't quite been able to facilitate. You're unlikely to bring on Elneny. So I think we're a bit more dynamic if we start with Elneny, get that structure, and hopefully he can find the passes or just give it to someone who can, um, rather than putting Sambi there. But again, we're having to see that who, who can we rest for the coming games. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sambi does get thrown in there. Uh, but I think El Nenny's performances have warranted him keeping his, his spot there. Yeah, definitely. And I think the balance just looks great. And, um, you know, unlocking Saka, Erdegaard's looked class again. Xhaka is now playing, well, I think he has actually been playing for a long time, out of his skin, really. Um, there's all sorts of contract questions that could be coming up very shortly. Um, so, so, so I don't... Fix what ain't broke. Yes, that's the phrase. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, broke, don't fix it. That's the one. That's yeah. you said it even more conviction as well with the accent. That helps. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so so yeah, there's there's a lot of questions there. Um, I'm gonna ask you about uh, some because look, the attack was clearly very good. I think we showed a lot of gusto. We've pressed high. We made things happen. We we're clinical. Um, you know, and I think we were just sharp, and that's something we haven't had in a while. And I do think taking Lacazette out for for Enketia is um is a big part of that. And you know, it's the replacement of what was it, sixty three shots to two goals over the past three games to mm-hmm. I think what seven goals in God knows what twenty something shots. I'm guessing now, mm-hmm. I don't know thirty. So it's it's a it's a massive increase in conversion. I think the metrics of the performances, even though it was quite flat. Did kind of, were kind of due this, mm-hmm. and I think Tottenham have had quite a similar difference. Really, they've they were smashing what what Villa away, but mm-hmm. they had a really good couple of games victory wise. But they were massively overperforming and overindexing what they were doing in terms of their finishing. Um, you know, they were just taking every chance they got, which hasn't continued. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm going to talk about a bit about the defence and just seeing what you think about that. Perhaps some performances at the back. And then we'll get on to uh, to our favourite thing, ref- refereeing, and we we'll just go through a few decisions that we saw. So, <laughs> so 
Well, yeah, what, 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 what have you made of the last couple of games defensively um, across the back four? Yeah, and, you know, I think Gabby and, and Benny White, White, White have been fantastic. I think they're, they're a good pair. I presume Gabby's English as a, and his role as a communicator is just improving game by game. Mm. And I think that's, that's going to only get better. And hopefully he'll start learning how to express himself on the pitch in, in both Brazilian and in, mm. or I should say, Portuguese and in, in English. And I think that'll be... <laughs> Apart from uh, the, the goal we conceded against United, which I'm sure we'll get on to. <laughs> yeah, apart from that one. Yes, um, but the rest of it, yes. I agree, I agree. It needs a little bit of a tweak. And otherwise, because, yeah, I was about to mention that the, that was a lapse in, in what had mm. been, you know, a couple games of them not being at fault at times, I don't think. Um, Nuno is someone who can definitely provide a, a threat if we if we want it. And we'll always, that's his game. He's He's going forward and that's what he wants to do. His favorite is to get the ball on the run and then and mm. whip run in. He can use both feet, um, and I think that's a that's a fantastic asset to have. But then again, you have to balance that. So Cedric has been has been doing fine. I think he's been doing what he's needed to do. Um, but there were times within the United game where he he did just panic, and I I didn't mm. see why. I think him of his experience where he's won the Euros and he's played for in the Premier League. I think that was his 150th appearance uh, against mm. United. Uh, is, is a fantastic achievement, but I would have thought someone would have been a little bit more assured. So for me, I think Cedric is, is filling the gap at the moment, but Tommy Yasu will, will evidently be first choice right back. Yep. And I think across the back four, it's becoming less and less of a problem and more and more of a project that needs tweaking, that needs refining. And then if we stay solidly with that and use that as a platform to improve, that'll be a fantastic basis for us going forward and hopefully into the Champions League. Yeah, I think um, something that Tavares has that doesn't that Cedric doesn't is um, is youth, and mm. you, you can forgive youth. You can sort of just go, well, I hope you learn because you know, <laughs> but you, you know, you've got that. You know, I think what Nuno Tavares has probably played just over or just under fifty pre- like professional games, mm-hmm. um, and it shows. Uh, you know, you don't get often get left backs on the goal line when Saka's shooting <laughs> to be able to tap it in. You know, I don't know any left back that would probably be doing that, but fair play to him. Um, but Cedric, he's his crosses aren't good. He he can kind of he keeps a shape. And he can, you know, sort of make sure uh, there's no like overarching. Oh my God, you've had a calamitous error. Other than the um, the catch uh, in the box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> basically, clawed it back with his hand. Yeah, the somehow. spike. Yeah. No, we've complained a lot about referees and VAR a lot this season, but that is. Jeez, when I uh, saw that, yeah, my my heart sunk. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, when I saw it first, I didn't think it was a pen because I thought it was falling down and the ball came to him. But um, yeah, no, I've seen replays and he he has a couple of strides with his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that is, uh, there's no there's no getting away from that. I think that's a pen. Um, we got away with it. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I, look, anyway, so just before we got into the referee decisions, which we're erring on now, I think... Um, Defensively, it has looked a bit shapey. I think we rode our luck on a couple of occasions. Although, mm-hmm. to be fair, I think we were incredibly unlucky to concede against um, both. Well, actually, Chelsea's first goal mm-hmm. um, was a massive deflection from 30 yards out. And then uh, the other one was a great goal with Aspilicueta coming in. Uh, although maybe there was a foul in the build-up, which actually I don't yeah. think there was, to be fair. And then, what, the United goal we conceded? 
was really stupid. I, yeah. I think some things happened between Gabrielle and um, Ramsdale. I can't quite figure out. There's a part of me that thinks Ramsdale could have come and collected it without it even getting to Ronaldo. If he was more decisive, I think that's harsh. Yeah, um, I would be leaning towards that because he, he did feign to come. At yeah. Time. And he, he's entitled to do that. But as a defender, that then just confuses you completely. Yeah. Puts you on the back foot. Uh, it was a fantastic finish by Ronaldo. But it was. I thought it was a communication thing as well. And I thought of if Ramsdale hadn't, I think at this point he'd just done it. If he hadn't, you know, just booted the ball straight to United player mm. um, and had a little bit more confidence at that point, I think he could have come in and collected that, that he, like he's, you know, as he's mm. done previously and is very good at. And on that, like, I th- I, I think he, he, I think he actually had a quite a, he had a mixed game, a bit of a Nuno game. Um, the extremes of <laughs> that both. That's going to be like, a phrase now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> kind of what I really respect about him, and actually one of the reasons they cited that they bought him for was because of his ability to get past the mistake immediately. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you are playing out from the back and you are, like, trying to spray balls along, like, a little daisy cutter sort of thing, mm-hmm. you're, you're, like, you're going to make mistakes. And that's that, ha- that has happened to Edison a lot this season. It's happened to Allison a lot this yeah, season. Yeah. I think if you're playing that way, it's high risk, but high reward. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we're certainly starting to vary up a little bit more and I think that's fine. But, um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but it was about five minutes after, I can't remember who it was to, but it was another one of those passes and he just sprayed it right along, like, like below, it was almost like below waist height the whole Mm -hmm. way, but like really direct into like Saka's feet. It was coming, I say short, but like on the halfway line. Yeah. Um, just out towards Ramsdale's right, and it was uh, right up the right flank, and it was unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of like he kind of got past that really well, and I was quite impressed. Um, like in cricket, it's all about the next ball. If you yeah. if you make the mistake, it's all about how you recover. And the problem with being a goalkeeper is that maybe six, seven times out of ten, it leads to a goal. That's the issue, and I think we were lucky to get away with that. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this if Fernandez because Fernandez got given the ball from Matic, I think, mm-hmm. um, and he he like fakes a shot. And then immediately shoots. And then that's why it gives Gabriel the extra half seconds he needs to get back. And I don't know why he didn't shoot, but um, he well, certainly... Some form of confidence thing, mm. maybe. Um, yeah, you know, Whether be. you're Bruno Fernandes or Cristiano Ronaldo, fantastic professionals and have done a lot in their careers, or mm. already for Fernandes and, and, of course, for Ronaldo, even if you're involved in this kind of environment where you've got a new manager coming in, you're basically just trying to see Ralph Ranić out, Mm. And then you've got players like McTominay and De Gea coming out and saying, this is not good enough, I'm so unhappy. It's obviously going to affect you. And especially when you feel that you're disappointing the fans, which Bruno obviously does. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's, you know, something's going on there. There's a seriously top. Do you know what? I, honestly, I feel like they're, they're us two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they're right there and they know it. Like someone's just posted Ragnick's, Ragnick's um, plan, his six-point plan. Um, you ready for this? So for Ten Hag's Man United, this is Rio Ferdinand's six-point plan, actually. Sorry, I just read this. Uh, okay, yeah. Set the culture, improve recruitment, structural reset, clear playing style, embrace youth, develop players. I wonder where... Oh, who does I that wonder, sound like? I wonder where they got that from. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you know... It's going to involve a year or two of, of pain and suffering and patience, and, and that's how it goes. I mean, we're nowhere near the end of our project, but no. that's, what we had to, well, that's what we had to undergo, and we had to question a lot. I mean, United 
are going to have to get rid, like like us as well, going to have to get rid of 10 to 12 players. And yeah. that's going to involve some big names, probably going to have to name a new captain. Um, one of those names might be Ronaldo because he might have just bigger fish to fry, and that's how it goes. Um, yeah. So I think that kind of cultural reset comes with the players that you then ship out. And then as um, you know, the six-point plan detailed mm. is that the recruitment needs to involve, I think, that kind of character within it. So, yeah. you know, Paul Pogba's going to go, most likely. Um, and then you need to replace him with someone who's as good, but maybe is more of a um, less high profile in that sense so the ego doesn't come as much yeah. with that kind of acquisition. And I think with the recruitment, you're also, you're looking for quality, but also the kind of character of a certain player that you want as well. Yeah, and I think um, it, that's exactly what we needed to do, right? Remember that the, the recruitment structure was crazy. The the, the mm-hmm. players that we were getting on ridiculous wages, William, William was seeing out his career here and all that sort of stuff. And um, they're clearly having the same issues there at the moment. They are they are that club at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they are where we were. And I think everyone took the mick out of us for a very, very, very long time. And I think hopefully we can kind of throw it back in their faces when it comes in the, the season but we will we will see we will mm-hmm. see um i want to talk a little bit because there's been a lot of chat about refereeing decisions and um there's a lot to unpick because there's quite a few slightly crazy like moments um mm-hmm. across the two games there was two or three actually very clear red card incidents two for mason Mount, one for brace at bruno fernandez um mm-hmm. I, I don't think we need to go any more than all of those are straight red cards, and I don't know how on earth not one of them was picked up. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that it's something to do with height, which which I sort of understand and sort of don't, um, especially with Bruno Fernandes, who was so, so late. Oh, it was so he clear. What he was doing, I, I don't understand why if it was any higher that it would, you know, would make that much of a difference to then make it a red card. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 it should have been. And, I, and, and you know, I think particularly with how much is going on, it could have easily just kind of been forgotten about, but a lot of punditry have gone through it and have all kind of um, made sure they made a point to say that should have been a red, because there's been so many times where it's happened to us this season. Everton happened twice, um, you know, stamping on the face and then another one as well. But like, it just gets glossed over. And I think particularly the guy Sack has been kicked and kicked and kicked and kicked. And it's so dangerous. Um, and it's happened to us so much, and it's not—it's not gone. It's gone unpunished, and I'm glad that somebody highlighted it at least. But um, I think that's as clear as day. Um, and I think on that note, there was probably some other ones that were less clear or um, went our way, and and also didn't. Um, yeah. So what? I mean, what? What was the the first goal? Was fine. There was no issue there, was there? It was the okay. So there, Cedric incident. For me, we've gone through that. So. <laughs> um, and then it gets on to uh, our penalty. Yeah, that's I next. Thought, yeah, I thought it was a clear foul. Um, yeah. so Eddie put it into the net. Fantastic. Mm. Would have done wonders for my fantasy team. Um, but yeah. then again, game gets ruled out. Um, but I thought that, you know, I think it was Peter Walton um, said that it was it was harsh and the referee should be just deciding that and not having to go to VAR. Yeah. But I think if you're coming in and, and Saka takes a touch and you, you don't get any of the ball, you're not looking at the ball, you just run into him, I think it's a clear penalty. I didn't see what the, the issue was. Yep, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a, I think it's a stonewall penalty. I think, interestingly though, like if, like uh, there's a certain set of patterns that have led to that be to be reviewed. 
mm-hmm. like had the game continued and an offside side flag hadn't been given and let's say the keeper saved it and the game continued i don't think that gets reviewed or called back like i don't think they mm. would have had the balls to stop the game playing to bring that back to be reviewed but because they were already reviewing a goal that ended up being offside only just Convenient, yeah i think they were like well hang on there's a, a foul here do you know what i mean yeah there like, must be like there must be some form of you know place for saying that okay there is a goal cancelled but yeah what's a penalty incident beforehand so we could just leave it up to chance <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I think it yeah. must be something, some role in that, you know, whether we want to admit it or not. Yeah, I don't know. I, know, like, I, I do think it was a penalty. Like, I really, really do. I just think mm. the like the way refereeing has gone this season for all clubs, I'm just quite surprised that that was over. Well, it wasn't not overturned then because it wasn't not given, I suppose. They were just waiting for the goal to happen to see. Yeah. It's a very confused one, and none of us can prove either way because we don't know. Um, I found it quite funny that Arteta was like, didn't know that they were reviewing the possible goals. He was like trying to stop the referee going up to the monitor, and it was like, no, 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 Mikel, he's he's looking for a foul. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, imagine saying to the referee, "Don't look, don't look. It's fine. I can see it from here." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Literally in another postcode. Um, <laughs> but no, I love that. So funny. Um, so, that, so that, yeah, I, I think that was a penalty, and I think Bukayo Saka is just getting better and better at these, and I have nothing but admiration for the guy. Um, two huge yeah. moments against huge clubs at really decisive points in the game to to, to slot away two pens against those two teams. Is, is... That's it. And to take two penalties in such quick succession as well is that mm. serious mind games. Um, is that, you know, you took a penalty a couple of days ago and you went you went right. So which way are you going to go now? Are you going to mm. try bluff to here? Are you going to double bluff him? Um, yeah. And then I think, you know, Saka won the game of, of wits there. Um, but harking back to the to the Chelsea game, I felt that in the build-up to the Asby goal that there was a foul on Ben White. I oh, thought. yeah? Um, I thought that Mason Mount kicked his leg and mm. then uh, Ben White went over, rightly so. And I don't think Ben made enough of a meal of it um, yeah. afterwards. But I, I had a feeling that after that contact, I thought I thought it was a, was a foul. But obviously, it didn't get reviewed. Yeah, I, do you know what? I... It has to be clear and obvious, and I think Mason Mount goes for him, and I think he probably fouls him. But there is a part of me that thinks there is a chance that he dived. Okay. And I, there's no conclusive, like, up close. It's kind of all from quite a wide angle. And I just wonder if that was the reason why they didn't pull it back, because there's no clear and obvious. But I, he did take a swipe, and he did go down, but I can't quite tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying this because we've won, so... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so who knows? And we'll look, what do you think about the Tavares one then? So do you remember Tavares? So sorry, well, the handball was clear as day, I think, obviously. Yeah. But do you remember the other one? I think it was Dallas, maybe? It was the, no, Langer. No, Langer, yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I think what um, Peter Walton said as well is that the key was that it's outside the box. So Varden actually had to get involved in that. Oh, set. yeah. Oh, no, um, I think there was another one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was oh, much, no. much earlier in the game. I think it might okay. have been like 1-0. It was one-on-one. He was one-on-one, and I think he was kind of leaning on him. Yeah, the I the think box that's one. the same yeah, one. Because then you said the initial contact was outside the box, and then he just fell over inside the box. So oh. you always take it back to the initial contact, and that was the key. Um, but for me, I also thought that um, we got lucky with that. And in general, in that United game, if we don't win a game with that amount of luck going on, yeah. then we're just not meant to win the game. So I think... 
it was a tough one. And if I was a United fan, I definitely would have been questioning it. But I think um, on the day, it just just wasn't in the referee's mind, nor was it in VAR's. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think, look, a couple of decisions went our way and they haven't been all season. But ultimately, I think all of them were the right decision. Like, I don't think it was apart from the Cedric one, which was blatant. But yeah. look, let's be frank, they weren't going to score a penalty anyway. <laughs> how, they confidence, yeah. yeah. How much did you enjoy the Ramsdale celebration for that? Oh, I really did. And then there was like a photo when um, Ramsdale was doing it, Odegaard was doing it. I think Benny White was involved as well. Yeah. Um, and it was like screaming back to the Martin Keown, Rude Van yeah. days. So I think I think it was fantastic to see, just in terms of a little bit of grit, a little bit of um, messing around, getting into the other player's head. And I think when you miss a penalty, even then, if even if the keeper comes up and says, sorry about that, you're still going to be lacking confidence um, yeah. throughout that. And just having people celebrate in your face just irritates you even more. So. Oh, man, it would literally kill you, wouldn't it? Yeah, so I think it was, it was the right thing to do both in terms of celebrating, even though <laughs> Ramsdale got sent the wrong way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to see his, his celebration, but I think it was still fantastic to to see the passion in that sense. I think so. I think so, mate. Um, and yeah, his save against uh, Dalot was great as well. I think, you know, mm-hmm. had had the good and the bad. But like, I'm, I'm conscious of time, mate. So... Um, Let's do. Oh God, we haven't even spoken about Xhaka and the winner. I mean, that was about as crazy it gets. Bring back uh, Xhaka, yeah, yeah. That's thirty um, percent of his goals against scoring. He just loves scoring against Man United, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, and I think you know, don't stop, do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So obviously, we all go crazy. That's great. Do you know what happens after the game? The pub I was in got. Pretty pretty fun. Like it was an Arsenal Park, <laughs> Arsenal Stadium, right? Bit of chaos, bit of singing, you know how it is. Um, and uh, I went outside. I'd have I'd have a few beers, sure. And yeah. um, uh, at, at the red light, we went. Me and my friend went to get a sandwich. We were quite hungry, <laughs> uh, so we went to Tesco Express, just opposite. And then um, we were walking back across, and the red light was a Maserati. And um, in in the Maserati at the red light was right next to us was David Dean. Oh yeah, uh, and he's arm hanging out the window, window down, just like embracing the wind. <laughs> Loving no life. one was saying like I don't think anyone realised. So me and my mate um, just started just bowing, just you know, <laughs> off. as we were crossing the road. We didn't you know go up to him or anything. I didn't want to be those guys, uh-huh. but you know I just like just bowed and went across, and he gave us a little wave and they all little laugh yeah, and then he cracked on. So yeah, so that yeah, was great. That in the TV, absolutely. Um, and then Spurs drew, so <laughs> great. Um, time. should have lost should have lost Ivan Tony yeah that's the one um, quick fire man man of the match ooh man of the match for basically Chelsea and United together here yeah um, yeah I would say Elneny I think Pyramid Pirlo has been all mm. over and he's he's basically come in from months and months without playing and just played out of his socks and it shows in in his attitude towards it, then I hopefully I hope that he gets rewarded with a new contract as a result. Yeah, I was going to say the same, um, but I'm going to say Xhaka because you said I'm the knee. So, so but, but again, Xhaka is nutmegs um, apart from anything else on the first game to set up the winning goal or the goal that puts us ahead in that way, and then the um, and then the, the the obviously the winner against Man United really that put the game to bed again and. I think generally, even if he didn't do either of those things, he would have been a man of the match. Um, 
contender for me because I think he was, again, structurally sound. He was dictating play. He was getting forward. He was just like, I think everything you'd need from that player at that point. And Arteta's, and Elneny as a, you know, Arteta's guidance and Elneny's presence, I think, uh, same with Party, really negates or, or takes away the bad factors. Yeah. yeah, like it, it not all players are bad factors. I just think Granit Xhaka gets put in some seriously questionable situations for a player yeah, that can't yeah. do certain elements, like putting him at left back. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think it kind of brings out the best in each other. I think he can, he really is the player that, that we, we kind of always wanted him to be. Um, Dick of the day. Dick of the day. Oh, actually, I, mean, I, have, I have one more thing to say on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take you back a year. Oh, wow. Two years. Right. And uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, a slightly younger Connor, I'm going to say, in two years' time, you're going to love having Elneny and Jacker in midfield against Chelsea United. They're going to get man of the matches between them over those two games. You'll win them both. You would have laughed your head off. No, I've been like, what? No ways. Yeah. They're going to be both gone by next summer. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, young Connor was, was proven wrong. Um, yeah. And I would be very interested to see who is sort of laughing at the moment and saying that I was proved right. Who yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah, these two are going. Um, but I always remembered including Elneny in my list to go. Um, yeah, yeah. But That's obviously me. I've, yeah, been, been left with egg on my face. Me too, me too. Um, always believed in you, Mo. Um, so, okay, couple of, oh, dick of the day. Dick of the day. I'm going to go for Spurs just because... They were all, like like I said last week, they were all on it. They all sort of chirping up to say we're going to get Champions League mm. football, this, that, the next thing. And then they drew and should have lost to, to Brentford. So mm. I think it's it's only appropriate that we give it to them. Yep, I agree. That's a good one. I've got I've got a few. So mm-hmm. honourable mentions are um, uh, Rio Ferdinand for his post-match analysis and saying that the referee was wrong for everything and it was uh, Man United really good and all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> just want to drink those salty tears. Great stuff. Okay. And then uh, also uh, hotly behind him, I think maybe you could say Jamie Carragher. I don't know if you watched the mm-hmm. um, the the Merseyside derby, but I've never heard more biased commentary in my life. I think it was atrocious. Like honestly, it was so funny <laughs> how bad it was. Like honestly, someone tweeted like I didn't know they brought a fan zone commentary back to Sky, yeah. um, and it was so accurate. Honestly, it was it was really quite disturbing actually anyway um but my real dick of the day amongst all of those is actually going to be Nuno Tavares um and I don't usually give it to Arsenal players because it's not really in the spirit of dick of the day um but when your knee slide is that bad (laughs) this poor man you've got you've got you deserve dick of the day I'm sorry you really do you really do it's because of the difference in turf so his knee Mm. hit his left knee hit the more denser turf and then slowed and then he just took an absolute tumble. So he, yeah. there is an art to it. And then Chaka showed him how it was done. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a sign of a man who doesn't score very often. Um, <laughs> couple, couple of questions then that people, that people have um, written in with. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll, a couple of people have asked about Elneny and Chaka, really. Um, so, well, actually, kind of a couple of other people. So... Shreyas B10 and Arsenal Tracker have asked two questions. So the first is from Shreyas B and he says, does Elneny deserve a new contract? And is he, uh, and as he's happy to be first sub and can set up when required. Also, Arsenal Tracker said, thoughts on extending Elneny and Holdings contract, squad players who step up when needed. Yeah, so for me, I definitely would be keen 
Um, I think having holding as a as a squad player is is exactly what we're sort of aiming for within the Arsenal um, the Arsenal team and in the setup. And I just think in terms of replacements, is that mm-hmm. when you're looking for someone who is wanting to challenge for that first place, but also happy to be a squad player, mm-hmm. you're looking to shell out sort of you know around about 25, 30 million maybe. And I don't think Pablo Mari is going to come back and and enjoy and do that kind of role. So I think him and and Saliba as those kind of centre backs mm. to come in would be fantastic. And with Elneny, I think if there's more to Elneny than his ability, it's also his character. Mm. And I think with him happy to do that kind of thing and being able and capable to whip out these kinds of performances when needed, I think that's a serious value to to have. So I would extend yeah. both of them, but of course it would depend on whether they want wage increases what kind of bonuses they want, and mm-hmm. whether they're thinking something else. And then he, it seems that he's not, but Holding may be looking to to play and try to push for that England team. And that's it. And to be honest, I think they, uh, like with, with, with European football in some capacity next season, we're going to need him. And Holding has carved mm-hmm. out, like the hashtag bring Bobby on is... Uh, like is really becoming it like a carved out niche for him. And I'm actually really happy for him because he is, mm. like, he's good at that. And I think he's, his flaws were highlighted against Chelsea. I think he's, when we're trying to play out from the back, or we're trying to be that team. He's not the one, he's not mm. a progressive ball player. Really. I think he really lacks in that, but what he is, is a good last ditch back to get in the wall, Northern grit defender. Mm. And um, I'll be delighted if he stayed in the team. He's like a great guy in the camp as well. And El Nini, he's happy to be that guy. Yeah, why not, mate? Yeah. Um, I'm still skeptical. Look, he's had a couple of good games, and I really respect the lad. And it's not for today, but I do think that he has limitations that hopefully we can source elsewhere. But mm-hmm. um, I, I would extend it if he's happy to do so for a slightly lesser wage. Um, uh, let's do this one quickly. Let's have a uh, women's roundup. So, um, Gurang B has says not related to Chelsea or United, but do you think that we should start Martinelli as striker? So obviously in relation to how Eddie's done as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely an option that we can basically survey and observe, I would say. I think it's a it's a summer kind of thing where we go on some preseason tours, chuck him in uh, at at striker just to see how we do. Mm. I think you can definitely mold to that. It's just yep. that what kind of striker will we like him to be? There's rumours of, of Gabby Jesus joining Arsenal mm. uh, in the summer. And I think that's definitely a striker that Martinelli could be. Is someone who links the play, is someone who can run in behind and and produce those kinds of dribbling goals one-on-one. Um, I don't mind him on the wing, but I definitely think he's got a striker in him. Uh, you know, hockey yeah. back to Thierry on revives. I would love to see Martinelli get that number 14. Um, so I think that he could definitely convert himself into that. And then if he just gets a little bit stronger... And a little bit more experience, I think it could be absolutely lethal. So I would be all for that. Um, but I think for yeah. now, his place is, is on the left wing and challenging for that position as well. Because then if we move Martinelli to striker, we're going to need that depth on, on that wing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and it's a good option to have. But I think this might be going in too much detail for now. But I think I could love to see where Henri would play in this system. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure he plays as a central striker. Like, I think he'd probably come in from the left. Mm. But that's because we don't... There's no four four twos anymore. You don't get striking partnerships anymore. No, no, and no. Um, so I, I, maybe Martinelli is more of that Henri mould and maybe more of that kind of player. Um, uh, a central striker, it feels like that's going to be someone a little bit different. But I don't know. It's, it is really interesting. And, and I'd love to see him there because I think he's got it in him. Um, and look, but I think I'd just 
because we've got left in the season, I'd stick with Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I think it makes more sense personally. But I would love to see it at some point. But the question is when you'd see it. But you know, every game's a final at the moment, so that's it. Um, let's do women's roundup because that was that was exceptional as well. They had a really really good weekend, and um, you know, Chelsea nearly nearly dropped points as well. So yeah, what what was the uh, what's the sitcom? Yeah, so it's it's a fantastic time to to be a. An Arsenal fan. I say time in the in terms of a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this weekend, you know, we got nine points out of the nine we could have got from across both the women's and the men's. And Arsenal put a post up to say I think the under twenty threes and under eighteens also won. So we got loads of points uh, this yep. weekend and this week. So Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal women's wise, we're still one point behind Chelsea. Um, so they beat Spurs despite getting a red card really early on in the game. Yeah. And, um, that shows, you know, testament to them in terms of their mentality. But we're right there. We had a very solid game against Everton. It took a while to break them down, I have to say. I think we only yeah. scored really late on in the first half. And we were getting frustrated. The chances were coming. Um, Beth Mead went wide very, very, um, very, very close. And then, uh, actually, Stina Blackstenius put the ball in the net and was clearly onside, but no mm. bar in the WSL. So uh, she was flagged offside, even though she wasn't, and but still put the ball in the net. And I think it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan, as I said, now. But then as we get on, we need to, to turn out those results. And that's mm. all we can do. We can only win the games we have in front of us. Um, unfortunately, we're in the position that we have to rely on other teams to, to deck Chelsea. Um, yeah. That's going to be a seriously tough one in the form that they're in with the quality of players and manager that they have. But I really do think that there is that kind of moment. You know, football is is that kind of sport. I really do think Chelsea still have that in the horizon. And I think that we'll be able to capitalize on that. But equally, it could be said that we also have a moment like that as well. So I think right now we're playing well. We need to continue on. And we have the easier fixtures of the two, I would say. Mm. Um, so it'd be fantastic to be able to lift the title. And fantastic for our manager, Jonas Eideval, with his first season to get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and to potentially win the league. I think it's been fantastic. And unfortunate. FA Cup final loss and then a semi-final loss as well. Mm. I think that's all all fuel for, for the future. And it's been interesting to see the, the team selections. So, you know, Jordan Nobbs finally playing again, finally scored, coming back on and to slot our, our third goal. And then now Beth Mead, I think it's the all-time assist provider in the WSL. Okay. Um, so then she also joined the 50, 50 WSL goal club as well as Jordan Nobbs on the same day so it was all going on um, and then Caitlin Ford had a absolutely fantastic first goal and it's been really interesting to see how she thinks differently when to compare to Katie McCabe playing on the left yeah. wing so the goal that I've um, actually uploaded on the Arsenal editor page yeah, I saw. is that there's an absolutely beautiful diagonal from from Leah Williamson touchdown on the left wing by Caitlin Ford and she slotted in with her left foot and I think that kind of thinking, the forward thinking, is something that, as a left-back by trade, Kate McCabe doesn't really have at this point. Mm. She's able to defend and able to whip in the crosses and to to make it down the wing. But sort of attacking thinking, I think, is where Caitlin Ford comes into the fore. And she's always had a good relationship with, with Miramar as well. Um, so when Viv was playing striker, she was able to feed off her a lot. And they haven't been able to develop that kind of relationship just yet. Um, just because Viv has been playing in the centre midfield and having to track back and tackle and get stuck in, I think has always been um, an interesting asset to have. So I've really liked seeing her there and seeing that attacking 
um, mindset because also Beth Mead is a striker by trade. So you've also got sort of uh, a left forward, a right forward, and a centre striker, and Blacksteny is playing, and you've got them cutting in, and I think that's really, really key for uh, Arsenal women's. And an interesting uh, paradigm or parallel between the women's team and the men's team is the role of Leo Volti and Granit Xhaka as well. Yeah. So in the United game, Xhaka would fill in for uh, for Nuno going on his adventure as well as for any centre-backs that went forward. Yeah. Um, and Leo Volti would, is, is the exact same. Uh, that's what she does. She doesn't go forward, not really interested in shooting whatsoever, overrated. So then she just sits back and fills in as that almost extra centre-back who just plays in midfield. And I think that's seriously interesting. And she seems to be the only one who is suited to that role in the Arsenal women's team. So I think she's right. one of our most important players. Um, Frida Marnham, as I've said, is a box-to-box midfielder as well as um, Kim Little. And then you've got uh, Viv on, on free roam. So I think her playing there has been essential and just being able to maintain the tempo and to um, regulate the game in that sense. So it's an interesting comparison between the, the men's and women's team there, I find. But otherwise... Really, really solid game. Clean sheets. They didn't really threat too much. Um, I don't know, threaten too much. I don't think uh, Zinsberger really had to scramble for anything. Um, so I think it was a solid performance defensively as well, with Woman Moy having signed a new contract recently. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame we haven't seen the likes of Mane Uwabuchi come on, uh, who is a very, very silky player. Reminds me a lot of Santi Cazorla as well. Yeah. Um, so really excited whenever she... Um, gets to come on and she's <laughs> I think she's Ian Wright's biggest fan and he's her biggest fan as well <laughs> so really interesting to to see that I think one of his comments was nobody loves Mana more than me apart yeah. from her parents <laughs> <laughs> he's all over um, media with it isn't he yeah so it's always fantastic to see that kind of um, relationship developing because he also was in, involved in the reveal video for Woman Moy's new contract he, mm. yeah you know yeah. Moy, quote unquote, missed a call from Wrighty. I mean, who misses a call from Wrighty? <laughs> um, and then and he is recorded saying why she needs to stay and to develop and to sign the contract and sign the thing. Um, sign the thing. Basically. Oh. So I think it's fantastic to see that crossover and very interesting comparison uh, between the two. And great to see that Arsenal main page are posting these results from the women's game as well. I think it's fantastic to see that synergy, which will only help the women's team get the, the attention they, they deserve and to carry the sport forward as well. Well, you only have to look as far as Barcelona to see how well they're they're doing. I mean, not just from a football perspective, but from a attendance perspective, it's actually been unbelievable. What what's the strategy being there and how can we replicate that? What what on earth? It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Well I think when you've got literally the best women's team out there bar yeah. none is a big incentive. Um I think there's also some potential financial initiatives going on. So they um, sponsor people to come watch, um, which some may think is, you know, against what sort of meant it's meant to be, but it just gets people into the stadium and watching it to saying, actually, I would pay to see this. Mm. Um, and I think that when you get that recognition that Arsenal, in terms of the women's game, is also this sort of Barcelona-esque figure, I think is also very important to shift that mentality to say this is very, very high-quality football. Because yeah. for me, one of the main sort of arguments I see against watching women's football is that the quality isn't as good as the men's. Uh, it's got this error or it's not as fluid or it's more bitty. And for me, it's it's in a sense comparing two different things. So I like yeah, yeah. To, to say that a good comparison is women's and men's sprinting. So the men's record is for the 100 meters is a lot quicker than the women's. 
But that doesn't mean a woman smashing their record that is still a world record that is still slower than the men's is any less of a feat than if a, a male beat their world record. Yeah. So I think when you're comparing it, it's almost as if we have to develop this kind of attitude and appreciation for women's football in a different light and appreciation for what it is without a comparison to the men's game. We both play the beautiful game in different ways and with different exciting points to admire and to respect. And I think that that's the key for me is that when we get into that kind of mentality and we get into that kind of way of viewing women's football as an entity in itself, yeah. rather than a comparison between the two, I think that's when we'll start getting in the numbers and then we'll get the recognition that these players who work so hard and play so hard and um, have, have achieved such amazing feats. I think we'll, we'll finally get the recognition that, that they deserve and that will carry the sport forward into something that will only permit more and more women's players to join at a grassroots level and get involved in the sport. Definitely. And is <coughs> sorry, what's that? <coughs> yeah, it's um it's a participation thing and a visibility thing, right? As well. Like the reason why women's tennis is regarded so highly and you know alongside the men's is because it's shown alongside it and the visible you know the the watch rates are, are nearly as high and or or all the same. Um it's played in the same tournament, which is something rugby league are doing next year for the World Cup or um what they're doing is they're having the women's and the oh, was it this year in the end actually i think it might have been this year anyway mm-hmm. um they played the women's the um uh the men's and the uh disabled wheelchair um sport all in the same competition so mm-hmm. it would be like having the women's and the men's world cup together in the same four weeks five weeks and it's great it's genius it's it, it makes so much sense um mm-hmm. The visibility of the game would be held so much higher. In in actual fact, obviously, they are slightly different, and they should be held at different rights. I, I, and um, it makes so much sense that, that you, this is a sport that is growing and is a slightly different sport, and should be treated as such. Hence, why it needs a lot more investment at the moment to try and get up and show you that this is the sport we should all be following. Because, um, quite frankly, we've got a chance at winning title in this sport. So, yeah, no, <laughs> um, exactly yeah. right. You know, it, yeah. The support can only do us good. The yeah. visibility and the support, the, there is no harm to supporting the women's game. It is mm-hmm. only to fully respect the players that are going on, to appreciate the sport and to appreciate the spectacle that is before you. I mean, watching any form of highlights of Barcelona women's game is just scintillating. It's ridiculous how good these players are and mm-hmm. how how much of a team they are as well. You know, they, they tore Wolfsburg apart in the new camp. I've never seen such you know Wolfsburg are huge in the women's game as mm. we've talked about and you know beat Arsenal deserve to beat Arsenal in the quarters and then just been torn to shreds by Barcelona there's absolutely no equivalent and huge credit to their captain Alexa Puteas their manager it's been absolutely fantastic to watch and it's only doing wonders for the women's game and hopefully yeah. we'll be able to replicate that with with Arsenal and a and a league title in our future as well yeah absolutely and um Look, let's hope um, let's hope Spurs do us a job this week, and let's hope they beat oh, Chelsea. That's the one. That's, that's the, the one. one. So um, let's see how we get on. So. We have to see. They've got the tougher fixtures, and as I said, football is an unpredictable sport, and we'll have to see who's more unpredictable, Arsenal or Chelsea. Exactly. And um, look, it's a hell of a run in, both for the men and the women. Spurs are involved in some capacity in both. I hope we absolutely do them at White Hart Lane in the men's game, and I hope that they absolutely do Chelsea um, in, in this week as well. So mm-hmm. we'll see how we get on. We've got West Ham next. Um, and who have Arsenal got next in the women's team? Um, I'll have to double-check that for you. 
but I'm pretty sure it is coming up um, this weekend. And I think it's it's one of those fixtures that's it's a little bit tricky if you really want it to be. Uh, it's one of those where if you seriously want it to to work out for you, you can make it and you can do it. But if you're not going to be on top form, then it's not going to go your way because the 215 kickoff against Aston Villa, yeah, who are notoriously that kind of team that flip flop between absolutely unbreakable and someone you can tear to pieces. So I would say that with this in mind and and a gap until um, effectively a, a week's gap, I think will be will be high and dry. Uh, at that stage, so I'm, I'm very confident in in that game, and we'll have to, so, have to basically hope that the the women's deliver. Nice, and I'm sure they will, as will the men's when we beat West Ham by ten goals. So I can't wait. Um, yeah, mate, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks so much for listening. But yeah, Connor, so good to see you, mate, and thanks so much for coming on. Likewise, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the next one already. Absolutely, mate. Me too. I can't wait. And finally, we're on the up. And finally, we're feeling good again. So I hope it's not all taken away from us from an El Nenny and a Jacqueline. Fingers and crossed. All we no. I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would not know what to do with myself. Oh, God. Tell me about it. Um, here we are, though. We're all good places. So thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, team. Oh, 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 oh.